Hey guys, how are y'all doing? I'm good, thanks. This is Hannah. This is Texas 1031. This is a true crime podcast. And this is the first installment of our new series about Texas-based survivor stories. So we're going to go ahead and just get right into it. So this story has been in the back of my mind for a couple of years now. I first heard about it on a TV show that interviewed one of the victims, and it really just kind of stuck with me. Um, No, this is not an I Survived episode, although that show is amazing. I actually recommended it to a girl that I worked with, and she got beyond obsessed with it. And her husband was actually getting genuinely concerned, like, why are we watching all this stuff constantly? And she was like, it's fine, honey. They survived, so it's okay. But anyway, that's not the show I'm talking about. Um, But anyways, this is the story of Ashley Freeman and Michael Grinnan in Dallas, Texas in 2002. So uh, like I said, it's around 2002 and Ashley is 19 and she is dating Michael, who is 20. And um, according to Ashley, they met in their speech class while they were both attending Mary Hardin Baylor University. Uh, That summer, the two went to Michael's family's home for the weekend in Duncanville, which is a suburb of Dallas. Um, This was an area she was very unfamiliar with. She actually grew up in Mercedes, Texas, which is just like small town USA to the T. So the way the show kind of depicts the events of the night compared to the interview that I read with her um, differ a little bit. So I'm going to take pieces of both and try and kind of put it together for you guys. She said that one night over the weekend um, that they stayed with Mike's parents, she said that she and Mike went to the movies with another couple. And after the movie let out, Ashley and Mike decided to go on an off-roading area. I don't know. I guess it was kind of on the outskirts of town. He had a big truck. And so they were just going to, you know, go have some fun off-roading. I've been off-roading. It's not great. But hey, to each their own. Uh, supposedly, this area kind of transforms into a bit of a makeout spot for some of the younger crowd when it gets a little later at night. Um, it's a pretty big hill that you drive up and it overlooks the Dallas skyline. It's very secluded and remote, which would uh, impair cell phone service. But unfortunately, Ashley and Mike wouldn't even bring their cell phones. And I know that 2002 kind of on the brink of everyone, you know, getting cell phones, things like that. They were very um, dinosaur-ish, I guess, compared to what we have now. Um, But they didn't even bring them. So it kind of just shows, again, the time frame and time period, if you will, of people just not making it a regular thing. Oh, I need to go grab my cell phone. I need to charge my cell phone. I need to do this, that, or the other with my phone Um, because it just wasn't as commonplace as it is now. Um, so they reach the top of this hill, okay, and they notice another truck's headlights heading towards them. In the show, it kind of makes it seem like they actually pass each other on the way up the hill. Um, the truck will be heading downhill, they would be heading uphill. And it makes it kind of seem that once they get parked and they're kind of settling in or whatever, there's no off-roading going to be had, basically. It was, I don't want to say it was a ruse by Mike to, like, get her alone because they were adults. They, you know, if they wanted to go make out, if they wanted to go have sex, they could have. But it was made to maybe seem like, oh, what are we doing here? We're actually going to make out, blah, blah, blah. And it kind of made it seem more fishy because, to me at least, because this truck, at least, like I said in the show, it makes it seem like the truck turns around and heads back up there knowing that they will be alone up there and this person will have control over the environment because no one else is up there. And so this whole off-roading bit is fishy to me from the get-go because it's like, well, 
if that guy, this person that actually does all these horrible things to them, as we find out, why would he go up there if he thought more people would be going up there if it was an off-roading spot, you know? So I think that was bullshit on Mike's part, personally. <laughs> no offense to him, but it w- I'm being, I'm saying it in jest because it was like, clearly he just wanted to make out with his girlfriend, which is fine. So regardless, Ashley seems to immediately have panic set in and want to leave as soon as she sees this truck's headlights. She's already kind of skeeved out. It's in a place she doesn't know what's happening. She's staying with her boyfriend for the weekend. She's just kind of all over the place and she's uncomfortable. I would be uncomfortable too. I don't care if you're married or you're on your first date, whatever. It's a sketch situation. So I totally have your back, girl. Um, All of a sudden, the driver of the truck begins approaching them on foot. Okay, so this guy gets out of his car, his truck, and starts walking towards them. He is African-American. He's older than them. He also has a gun. And he proceeds to approach the car and rob them. The couple gives them what they have, um, which only amounted to about 20 bucks. This was not cool with the guy. And so unsatisfied, he removes Ashley from the car at gunpoint. Um, knowing that, you know, he couldn't just leave Mike in his car without being restrained. He actually ties up Mike inside Mike's truck. And um, this is just so horrific. He lights multiple road flares and sets the car on fire with Mike tied up inside. Ugh, I can't imagine. Like, I just, yeah, the panic and just everything. No. Um, again, the way the show was portraying the situation, it made it seem that prior to this, um, he actually takes Ashley to his truck um, the man, the perpetrator, the offender, whoever, what, whichever way you want to look at it. He, before lighting Mike's car on fire, he takes Ashley out of Mike's truck to his truck and rapes her all while Mike has to hear and watch, unable to help because he is tied up already. Another article I read said that she was raped twice in two different locations, but regardless whether the rape took place before or after, the fire takes place, it's terrible. So rape, fire equals awful. At this point, Ashley is put into the man's truck and he begins to drive. Mike is left back in his truck at the hill on fire, road flares tied up and left to die. So Ashley is in the truck. She's been raped and she realizes that she's probably about to die too. This was very reminiscent of Elizabeth Pena in the second episode that I actually ever did where she tries to coerce her way out of the situation that she was in. So Ashley does a very similar tactic where she she tells him, you know, hey, can we let's go to a motel room, you know, let's go get a hotel or a motel room and spend some time together. And he doesn't really fall for it. He kind of leans into it, but he doesn't really. And so in the meantime, she's also putting her fingerprints and her DNA pretty much anywhere she can in his truck, okay, which is beyond genius. Basically, you know, she's saying if she was going to die, then at least police would know that she was in his truck, you know, if he was actually captured. There's a quote where she actually says, um, she asks herself, quote, do I, you know, try and jump out of a moving truck? Could I actually pull that off? You know, do I go for the gun? Like she was playing all these options out in her mind as the two actually kept driving deeper and deeper into the night and into the woods. 
They arrive at a heavily wooded area. There is a pond. No one's in sight. And this is when she kind of just knows this is it. She has to make a run for it or she is going to be killed. She's barely clothed. She is fucking barefoot. And she begins to haul ass into this thick brush ahead of her. He begins to shoot his gun in her direction and fortunately misses. All the while... She is getting cut from head to toe and slashed by these plants, these trees. You know, she's just forging past all of this brush that is getting the better of her as she's trying to, you know, escape this guy. And unfortunately, she trips. She ends up on her back. She is exhausted. She's out of breath and she's terrified. You know, remember, she's been raped. She has been driven and, you know, her mind is all over the place. She is out in the middle of nowhere and she's in a foreign area with no help in sight, let alone, you know, on the way. You know, it's not like she could have called 911. She hears the man approach her as she's laying in the dirt. He shoots her. She said when people usually explain the moments before you think you're going to die, you you know, you you hear about that all the time. You see your life, you know, flash before your eyes. But instead, she said she saw all the things that she wasn't going to do with her life. Like she wasn't going to graduate or get married or be a mother or become a teacher. Everyone's pictured that, that moment when they die and what they're going to think about. And I always did picture kind of what she did, the future, not the past. And I always kind of felt like an asshole because I was like, oh, does that make me a bad person? Because I'm thinking more about what I'm missing out on rather than what I've accomplished. Um, and so she put it very, you know, kindly and and respectfully of that, you know, she was going to miss out on great things just because it were or they were aspirations or things to come or, or wishes or wants doesn't mean they were any more valid than things that had happened. And so I really admired that about her. So in the midst of all of this, she feels a burning sensation on her stomach and her leg. She had been shot in her thigh and in her lower stomach slash kind of pelvic area. The bullet wound to her torso hadn't exited and had caused major internal damage, but she was still alive. Her immediate thought was, I have to play dead. If I play dead, maybe he'll just go away. And she said she really didn't move when she was actually shot or, you know, reacted because of just like pure shock and terror of the situation that she was in. So that really worked to her advantage. And she knew that she kind of she needed to wait. She had to wait long enough for her him to actually leave and not just to where he just, you know, oh, let me just wander off, make her think that I left and do this sort of, you know, weird sneak attack of like, I know she's playing dead, but I'm going to wait and see and, you know, this back and forth. And she eventually would get up because she heard his truck drive away. He pulled off. He left. And. This took several minutes. She laid there bleeding out, essentially, um, and basically dying of two major gunshot wounds while he took his time and left. And covered in blood, she got herself up and she began her mile to probably about a little over a mile trek into the woods, further into the woods, and um, in an attempt to find safety. 
After walking for quite some time, she arrived at a security shack in a currently unoccupied construction area, and a guard came out and called emergency services. She said as soon as help was on the way, her adrenaline stopped and she was in immediate pain. When medical personnel arrived, she was taken to a nearby hospital, and after surgery, she discovered that the bullet had entered the front of her left calf, exited, and then entered the back of her thigh. The bullet that exited her thigh had entered her stomach area where it would remain for the next year. So kind of didn't really exit her entire leg, but just maneuvered up through her thigh, which is just fucking terrifying. That could have hit so many vital arteries. It's just insane. So all that was actually injured through that entire process, besides surface wounds of all the slashing and, and, and tears to her skin, Um, was just a part of her intestine um, when she was shot in her stomach. She spent two weeks in the hospital recovering, but obviously she did survive. You know who else survived was her then-boyfriend and now-husband, Mike Grinnan. The fire that illuminated his truck was actually um, a cause for concern for a person, and they called the fire department. But by the time they had arrived to rescue Mike, Ashley had already been taken captive. Ashley, despite the odds, would return to school that fall and graduate two and a half years later and become the teacher she feared she would never get the chance to be during her attack. The man who would later be caught well into her sophomore year of college would be known as Leroy Rogers. He would be suspected in killing multiple women, first off in 1984 for the shooting deaths of Kimberly Klepper and Kendra Carnes in Ohio, who were both found dumped in or near waterways, and then the murder of Denise Smith in Baytown, Texas, who would eventually die in the hospital after being shot at her job as a convenience store worker. Three years later, in St. Louis, Missouri, he was arrested two more times, first for trespassing, then for rape and possession of a weapon and assault. He would then strike a plea deal and spend 10 years in prison for what he did in Missouri. I was unable to tell if that 10 years was also for the charges brought against him in Ashley and Mike's case. I'm assuming not because of state-to-state jurisdiction and crimes within each. Either way, he would walk free in 2013 and return back to Ohio where he murdered Kimberly and Kendra almost 30 years prior. I wanted to end the episode with the last sentences of this article. Quote, it begs questions about the role of our justice system. If it's meant to merely punish the convicted, the 10 years Leroy Rogers served in prison were not enough, regardless of the crimes he stands accused of committing today. If the system is meant to reform the convicted so they never repeat their crimes and Rogers committed the violent acts in Ohio, then it also has failed. This concludes the first episode of our Survivor series. Read the show notes for information on where to reach us via our website, social media, or email. We will have regularly scheduled episodes for the week of the 21st. But until then, if anyone's listening, happy Halloween.